Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 25th, 2019. 75 days to kick off. We're almost there. Training camp's right around the corner. I know. Four weeks. In a month. Something like that. I should probably do a countdown to that, too. Yeah. It'd be too many countdowns. We'd lose track. 28 days to break training camp. 75 days to kick off. I think at this point, it's like 30 days. 60 days to the first preseason game. 300 games till the season's over. How many days till Hard Knocks? <laughs> How many Don't days forget that about? one. Yeah, it'd be a really, really long intro. Fact check. The Damacon Sioux is a bit over 13 months older than Gerald McCoy. He's ancient. How dare we replace McCoy with someone that old? That offends me. It offends Skip Bayless, too, that McCoy was replaced by an older player. 13 months older. It's actually 13 months and some days. So there you go. Yeah, I was totally wrong. I thought that uh, Sue was just like six months older, maybe a year. But What, well, 13 months is a year, basically? Yeah, it's a little over a year. Irrelevant, though, I think. But hey, that just means he's wiser. I wonder if McCoy ended college a year earlier because they came into the same draft class. You know how you can tell a Buccaneers fan? How? Give them two minutes, they start talking about Gerald McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> we just, like, immediately started talking about him. He's not even on the team anymore. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. It was going to be a great year watching all this unfold. Running back Sean Wilson was cut. How about that? I didn't see that coming, and there was a lot of speculation that maybe we were going to sign somebody, and that's why they were cutting him, but mm. it's been several days, and we haven't signed anybody. Yeah, it was a very strange cut. Uh, I don't know if he was injured or... They just didn't like him, or if there was a trade in the works and whatever. Like, maybe it didn't work out. Maybe. You would think they would have waited to cut Sean Wilson until later then, though. Do you have any speculation on what they're going to do? No, not a clue. Not a clue. I know, you know, Bruce Arians isn't big into workhorse running backs and big-name running backs. And yeah, he told the Joes, I don't like to overpay for that position. No, right. So... I wondered if he wasn't going to bring in, like, another guard or offensive lineman. Mm. That's what I thought they were going to do. Because he had mentioned doing that before also. Like, when we get to training camp, we might have some more depth on the offensive line. There was some speculation that maybe we're going to trade for Duke Johnson. Yeah, well, he wants out of Cleveland. Right. And he's got a history with B.A. Does he? Yes. What kind of history? Obviously played under him somewhere. Yeah, Arizona, right? No, no, David Johnson. That was David Johnson. Ugh. Get your Johnsons right. I know. <laughs> Can't keep track of them all. Speaking of offensive linemen, Donovan Smith and uh, Earl Wofford had birthdays this week. They sure did. Yeah. They did not celebrate together. Yeah, I was going to say that. did not. I bet Donovan Smith celebrated at the bowling alley. Did you see Probably. that video? Yeah, I sent it to you. Yeah, of his charity. Mm -hmm. I wish he put that much into football that he did into bowling. <laughs> well, you know, I was watching it, and he really doesn't have good form for a bowler. Ralph is, of course, a bowler. Was He's a got bowler. a Buccaneers bowling bag. Of course. Everything I have is Buccaneers. A skull bowling ball. Buccaneer bowling ball. Wasn't that from a movie, too? Yes. Kingpin? No. Yes. No. It was from, I don't know, some mock superhero movie back in the 90s. I can't remember the name. But there was a superhero called The Bowler. And it was, she had, it was Janine Garofalo. She had her father's skull. Oh, my God. In case of the bowling ball. So it was like. She could throw it, and it would do all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, like his spirit was in the bowling ball? I guess. Did you do the same? Is that a dead relative in your bowling ball? 
Yes, ex wife. <laughs> That's what I used to tell everybody. This is my ex wife. <laughs> the Buccaneers Junior Cheerleading Program for children ages six to 14 years old. Registration deadline is July 10th. This is for, of course, youths. The youths? There's going to be three clinics will be taught by the 2019 Buccaneers Cheerleaders. I'd go just for that. <laughs> no tryouts are required and no experience is necessary. There uh, you go. Well, I you know, unfortunately, it. it's from outside the age range. six to 14 year olds and. My kids happen to be just right outside that age range. So. Uh, everybody who attends will perform at the halftime during the Buccaneers versus Dolphins game on August 16th. Uh, there's also going to be a preseason halftime performances as well. The cost is $200. I know that sounds like a lot, but it includes the instructor fee, which means looking at Buccaneer cheerleaders, game tickets, you get to go out on the field, three clinics, and a uniform. Of course, you get $25 off for season pass members. If you're interested, go to Buccaneers.com and register. Good stuff. Sounds like a steal. Sure does. You get three game tickets and a uniform. I know. And you get to hang out with the cheerleaders for three days. Or your kid does. I'm writing checks. <laughs> I wonder if they allow spectators. Probably not, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know why they wouldn't. Huh? I, I imagine the parents get to hang out. Maybe. But I think if you're taking your kid to that, you're used. To, you're probably like a dance parent. Dance moms. You think so? They have shows about that. About dance moms? Yeah. It's on TLC. They have a show They're for garbage. everything. I know. Everything now. But those people are like into it. It's like as bad as. The prom or the I don't beauty know. pageant in, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many channels, so many TV shows. There literally is something for everybody now. But here's my question. It's a, there's two parts of this. One, how are these programs making any money? I mean, there's so many options now to watch stuff that. These programs aren't getting masses of people. You know, they're getting YouTube channels get more than most TV shows now. So how are these TV shows making any money? And two, can you imagine how much money NBC, CBS and ABC made when they were the only three television shows out there? Good Lord. I mean, if there's enough attention and money for all these hundreds, if not thousands of TV shows to survive and people to just live and support and do well on... Good Lord, could you imagine what the three broadcasters were making back in the day? Whoa, must have been insane. Well, that's probably why they are the empire that they are now. I guess. Are they really, though? Well, ABC built up enough to be bought by Disney. Right. Well, <laughs> I think uh, that's kind of a sign that ABC wasn't doing so good. If right. It be bought up by another company. I remember back when Disney was failing. It was a long stretch there where Disney was almost going under. Superhero movies saved Disney. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Marvel, that's a very strange thing because Marvel was actually, let's see, they started licensing characters to Sony and then Marvel decided, saw that superhero movies were doing good and they went, oh, hey, we're going to start our own studio. So they did their own studio and then Disney bought them up. So Disney was actually doing good before Marvel, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Did you know, I had no idea about this, but Devin White had legal troubles when he was in high school? I had no idea. You didn't? No. <laughs> yeah. He seems like such a clean-cut, like, straight-edge guy. Yeah, and this happened back in high school, too, back when he was 17. Both into- Oh, God, 17-year-olds are so dumb. Oh, I know. Jeez. Boy, if I was judged on the crap I did when I was 17. Yeah, I'm so glad they didn't have cell phone cameras when I was 17. That's a scary thought. I would, yes, society would have put me in a box and buried me underground. <laughs> they would have been able to witness some of the stuff I did when I was 17. But yeah, he was uh, dismissed from the 2015 Under Armour All-America game after being charged with carnal knowledge of a 14-year-old girl. Oh. That's according to the Shreveport Times. But 
I mean, it sounds you're like, whoa, but he was 17. She was 14. She was a freshman. He was a high school quarterback. Oh, yeah. When I was star. 14, I was trying to get with all the 17-year-olds. Oh, yeah. I know. And her dad found out about it and got mad. Oh, yeah. That's usually what so, happens. Yeah. So he pressed charges or he went well, to Well, isn't he from the South, somewhere in the South? Shreveport, Louisiana? I don't know. No, he's not from Louisiana. He went to LSU. He's definitely Southern, though. He likes some horses. <laughs> Ride my horse to old time road. It's just a different thing in the southern community. He ended up being charged with a misdemeanor. And then a month later, he was ticketed for a careless operation of a motor vehicle and misdemeanor flight from an officer. What happened is he had received a speeding ticket on Christmas Day. And White did not immediately pull over when the police officer attempted to stop him for speeding again later in the day. The same cop? Same cop. Leading to... Sounds like he had it out for him. You never know. Or White was speeding around on Christmas Day. Or he kept going through the same speed trap. It was probably a really small town. There was probably only one cop. <laughs> Sitting right at the one stoplight. Yeah. Now, I couldn't find out anything that happened as a result of these charges. Very strange. Maybe because he's a minor. But you would still think that media would report on whether it was dropped or... Yeah. You know, if he was sentenced. I mean, that's public record, right? No, not if you're a minor. No. Okay. So that's probably why. Yeah, but since then, he has been in absolutely no trouble. Fantastic character. It's refreshing. Yeah. Chidi Ahana, too. We're going to get back on Jeremy McCoy just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. For the rest of the podcast. No, probably. just for a little bit. <laughs> Chidi Ahana, too, addressed the Jeremy McCoy crap on BucksLifeNewsMedia.com. Is that his website or just no, a fan I don't website? Think so. I think it's a fan website. It's a new one I just yeah, ran I've across. I've never heard of it. Me neither. If you're not aware, Chidi Ahana, too, he played on the defensive line for the Bucks. From 1993 to 2000, he played in 121 games. He started 109 of them over that nine-year span. He had 34 and a half sacks, 245 solo tackles, and 88 assists. He played in five playoff games with the Bucks. He did go to the Super Bowl in 2001 with the Rams and lost to the Patriots. Do you remember him? Oh yeah. Okay. The Cheaty. I've always said comparing it, you know, Gerald McCoy. There's plenty of guys we had on our defensive line, especially during that time time period, who to me were. Equivalent to Gerald McCoy. Chidi Ahana, too, is one of them. Uh, if you look at the sacks, you know, he had 34 and a half. Gerald had 54, some crap like that. Uh, they paid, played about the equivalent amount of games. It was, Chidi had a few less. He didn't start as many as Gerald did. But he had more solo tackles and assists. Than Gerald McCoy? Oh, yeah. Over his career? No, over just why, over the nine years he was with the Bucks and Yeah, that's the what nine I mean. years that wow. McCoy was with the Bucks. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, people talk about Jeremy McCoy as premier and elite. What about Brad Culpepper and Chidi Ahanatu and Styles White? We had a good defensive players on the defensive line with the Buccaneers that put up about the same numbers as McCoy when you break them down. I don't know. That something something weird was going on with that whole McCoy stuff. But anyhow, Chidi Ahanatu decided to wade into the, the muck after he watched the episode of Undisputed with Sharp and Skip. I saw a little quote, and it was just a blurb of what Chidi said, and it sounded like he was trying to give McCoy an out. Like, I think he said maybe it's because McCoy was young and didn't have any good veteran leadership to help develop him. So that little blurb made it sound like he was making excuses for McCoy. And then I read the rest of it, or more of what he said, because he's been on Facebook, too, making comments everywhere, apparently. And it was not quite what he was saying. I'm going to read a little bit from it. Chidi says, so here are my thoughts. This is in reference to the Gerald McCoy's interview with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. First off, to Gerald, welcome to the NFL. 
Your story is not special. Once an organization is done with you, they move on. You're complaining that no one called you and that's somehow disrespectful? No, Gerald. It's called showing you that you are that they are done with you. It happens to all of us who play. A rare few get the post-career interview and a parade out the door. It's one of the hard emotional truths of the NFL. That's interesting. It's one of the hard emotional truths of the NFL because it's very obvious that today's NFL player are not as hard as those right. that preceded them. Yes. Physically or emotionally, I think. Yeah, definitely emotionally. And you see that with McCoy. <laughs> he's he's all, they didn't call me. They didn't call me. They disrespected me. Yeah. Not calling me. He, he goes on to say, uh, Gerald picked the wrong team to play for, the Carolina Panthers, if his main motivation was to play against the Buccaneers and make us look bad. Don't forget, we got a decade of film on Gerald and know his personality in and out. He has a better chance of being made look bad by us, not the other way around. But sometimes you got to get a kick in the ass to turn your life and game around and see your weaknesses for what they truly are. Maybe this kicks him into a level of playing that he's never shown before. Or maybe he tanks. It can go either way. It's up to him to internalize it and use it. But honestly, I'm not in fear of facing Gerald McCoy twice a year. None of the NFL teams were in fear of him over the last however many years. When folks call GMAC soft, it's more about his personality and behavior than his playing. Although, both have shown signs of some softness. It's a shame because GMAC had no vets around him to teach him and mold him into becoming hard. Okay, that's the excerpt that I heard. Right. Talking about the Sue getting GMAC's jersey number, he said, I believe that Sue's jersey number two. Sue is the organization's big-time free agent signing. We don't have a ton of these around here over the years, so we supposed to disrespect the guy we got coming in just so we don't disrespect the other guy on his way out? To expect the franchise to not allow Sue to have his own jersey number would be disrespectful, not the other way around. I'm sorry, but GMAC is no Michael Jordan, let alone Michael Ilestock. <laughs> That's a funny point. He said, Gerald is asking a lot here and has a blown-up perception of his so-called greatness. GMAC is following in the shadows of a true all-time great, my teammate and fellow defensive tackle Warren Sapp. So we have that to compare him to, which fairly or unfairly. So it's a bit hard to hear GMAC touting how great he is all the time when he pales in comparison to Warren. So there you go. You got from one defensive player to another. Basically played the same position for the same amount of years on the same team, just different time periods. And then you've got Ian Beckles, who played on the other side of the ball, who played against people, defensive tackles. Yeah, who just flat out said you know, that Gerald McCoy is highly overrated, which I agreed with him. Unfortunately, a lot of people didn't. But that's fine. You know, you can have your opinions. Everybody can have their opinions. That's what makes football fun. One of the things that makes football fun. That and all the drama. Ooh, people are bored. Yeah. People are so bored. Between OTAs and training camp, there's like nothing going on right. except Twitter fights. Did you know that Buccaneer fans are ranked ninth worst in the NFL according to a study by Emory University? I'm surprised we're that high. Yeah, I said ninth worst, but that's actually what, 24th? Third? 23rd. 23rd. So we're 23rd. See, I made you look bad there because I held up four. <laughs> and you said it, and it. then I'm like, no, wait. Yeah. Let's see if we can trick Ralph. My bad. Here's the thing, though. They broke it down into different categories. Yeah, okay. So what are the metrics? Well, they did uh, how much money was spent, how, uh, team attendance. Both at home and on the road. Wait, can you elaborate how much money was spent by the team or by no, fans? by fans. This is all okay. by the fans. And they did a team attendance at home, on the road, and social media activity. Interesting thing was we were 11th in what's called road equity, which is something that focuses on how teams draw on the road after adjusting for team performance. So we were 11th. Oh, even though we were bad. Buccaneer fans out there representing. I love that. Now, this was a 
true scholarly thing. They did a serious analytical breakdown. You can go to scholarblogs.emory.edu to check it out. I went through the whole um, the whole study and looked at it, and it's, it was pretty legit. A lot of teams, they, they do this every year, and a lot of teams don't really fluctuate much. They don't go up or they don't go down, <laughs> except the Panthers and the Saints. The Saints went, I want to say, up three spots, and the Panthers went down four spots. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Do you think their record has anything to do with it? Oh, of course. Yes. They're with their fans. That's right. I'm at Molly Bay at BuccaneersObserver.com, or Ralph can be reached at Ralph at BuccaneersObserver.com. It is a lot of ats. <laughs> you can at at us at at at. You can at us on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. We're on Facebook. I don't know the web address there. A Buccaneers Observer. Yeah, just search for it. Just search we'll pop for up. It. Same with YouTube. We're on there. The YouTubes. The YouTubes. Uh, the podcast can be found at the YouTube channel as well. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Yeah, you don't want to miss any of these great episodes. And it is, of course, the off season, so you know things are pretty lame. When, when the biggest news we have to talk about is some idiot on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a slow news day. Slow news day. Although, you know, I am seeing a lot of love for Vita Vea being thrown around. And I love that. Love it. Do you feel a little like hipster? Yeah, like, once, I liked Vita Bay before it was cool to yeah, like Vita Yeah, Bay. once everybody becomes a Vita Bay fan, I won't like him anymore. I know. <laughs> uh, all righty, guy, that's going to do it for us. Until next time. Go Bucks. Whoa.